Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back episode number 70. It's been like a month since I've done an episode. And let me tell you, I wasn't sure if this was going to happen again. I've been really struggling, you guys. And before I go any further, just thank you to everyone. There's been, honestly, hundreds of people, hundreds of people that have reached out to me in the past month, couple weeks since I started putting it out there. Uh, people sharing with me their struggles, tons of support, people telling me that they're in my corner. Not too long ago, I didn't have anybody in my corner. So thank you. I made it through it. I'm feeling better. And there's no way I get through it without all of you guys. So thank you very, very much. Today, though, is a very special day. Today's the 41st 
annual Terry Fox run. I am from Port Coquitlam. I no longer live there, but I've always been so proud to be from Terry Fox's hometown of Port Coquitlam. Unfortunately, I was coaching this morning. I didn't make it back in time, but I was hoping to get out to support our friend Donna Reed. There's a picture from today, guys. She's still battling cancer, pancreatic cancer. She had to go get unhooked from chemo after this picture was taken. She's there holding the flag in the gray. Donna, what's up? We love you. I love you. Keep fighting. Sorry I couldn't be there. The Terry Fox Foundation has raised over $800 million. That's pretty incredible. If you want to donate, check them out on Instagram, at Terry Fox Foundation, at Terry Fox Foundation. Um, we're going to get right into the episode. There's one thing that I need to say. You guys know, you can see the pictures behind me of all the hockey players that we've lost to suicide, to overdose. And usually every episode, I add one of those individuals to the wall in memory. But today I wanted to do something and just take some time because not this weekend, but the weekend before we were able to, we were able to get down to Dunville, Ontario, the hometown of Daniel Miner. Daniel Miner passed away just about six months ago, former Barry Colt. He died of an overdose and I never met him. But since that moment, I've been able to connect with his family. His mom and dad, Tom, came up here. They took vacation for like the first time in years to come spend some time, a couple days. They actually met my friend Paul Rosen too, which was really cool. Um, but just being able to connect with them and their entire family. And so we went down to the celebration of life. And I wanted to share this with you guys because, you know, this has been 18 months. I've been clean been trying to bring puck support together, remembering those that we've lost all of these individuals in this picture. It's, it's so sad. And, you know, there's, there's even more out there that we haven't uncovered. And if you don't know, we remember one of those individuals on all of our clothing here. So, Daniel Miner being one of them. Here's some pictures from the celebration of life. I just want to show a couple. You can see the picture here. There's the puck support picture, the never forget picture they had on display with all his hockey jerseys. And here's a picture of some of his family members. This is just a small, small slice of what it was like at the celebration of life. There was like 30, 35 people all in puck support gear, all in memory of Daniel Miner. And made it all very real. It was, I walked up, I, I started crying. I was bawling my eyes out because it made it very real, you know, but so many of his family members pulled me aside and continued to message me and just thank me for what I was doing. And, and they just wanted to talk. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are still struggling because Daniel has passed away. I have a picture I want to show of that's his mom on the right, Michelle, and that's Daniel's wife, Haley, and his son, Jack. And you can see there in puck support stuff as well. So, you know, I would do anything to bring Daniel back, but knowing that they've said that we've been able to bring them just a small amount of comfort through puck support, through them wearing the gear. You know, there's a picture on Mother's Day where they were all wearing it and it made them feel like Daniel was a little bit close to their heart. I just wanted to take some time and say thank you for inviting me down there. I'm so sorry for your loss. There's no question that Daniel was an incredible man, son, husband, hockey player, all of those things. I got to meet his friends. Actually, one of them's driving up on Tuesday to meet me. A couple other ones have been up here. So it's a it's a terrible tragedy, but we're going to utilize his story to bring change, comfort one another, and, and honestly, we're going to change the world. So Tom and Michelle, Haley, Jack, Love you guys so much, so much. Thank you for letting me be a small part of that celebration of life. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. One sponsor, guys. We'll be back with Bob Wilkie. 
Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you to Regan Bartell, Jesse Paradise, everyone at Team Issued. It's great to see the boys back on the ice. Good luck to everybody who's uh, at any level. I'm so happy to see everybody back on the ice. I'm back on the ice, and I've never been happier. Guys, you know how this goes. We'll see you in a few minutes. Bob Wilkie. Well, after almost a month off, we're finally back for some live shows. And this is one I'm really excited about and probably for some selfish reasons. Bob Wilkie, originally from Calgary, Alberta, got his jump in hockey with the Swift Current Broncos during the 1980s. During his rookie season, Bob Wilkie was unfortunately involved in the Swift Current Broncos 1986 bus accident that claimed the lives of four teammates. That tragedy left a trail of destruction, but only three short years later, the Swift Current Broncos rallied and Bob Wilkie was part of the 1989 CHL Memorial Cup championship winning team. Wilkie was a star defenseman, recording 80 plus points in two different campaigns, and this saw him get drafted in 1987 by the Detroit Red Wings 41st overall in the second round. I haven't spoken to Bob prior to this interview, but I've done a lot of research and I've known about him for quite some time. As Wilkie graduated out of major junior hockey and took on the professional ranks, the trauma that he endured during that bus accident, losing four teammates, started to weigh very heavily on his heart and on his mind. Wilkie relied on pure talent as he carved out a 10-year pro career that was riddled with mental illness, which led to some problems with alcohol. Following his retirement, Bob Wilkie started to coach, and it was here that he started to realize the need for mental health resources for athletes. As a coach, he started to see things that he went through and decided that he needed to make a difference, that he wanted to make a difference. And this is why, selfishly, I'm very much looking forward to this podcast. In 2008, Bob started an organization called I Got Mind. I Got Mind is focused on bridging the gap between positive mental health and the game of hockey but he's also expanded into many other areas, pretty much all sports. I really look up to Bob. I mean, he's a fellow Swift Current Broncos, somebody who's went through a mass amount of trauma and he's come out the other side. Not only that, he's taken it upon himself to use his story, his experience to make this world a better place. This is somebody that I really wanna learn from and I think we all can learn from. So without further ado, let's do it. From Calgary, Alberta, Bob Wilkie. What's going on, Bob? Uh, just excited for the conversation, Brady. To be honest, I've been uh, well. We've been trying to do this for a long time, so I'm excited it's finally happening. Well, listen to the song. It's the tragically hip. Long time coming, buddy. I know it's been a long time coming, and you want to know what? I, I was thinking about that myself too, and it's it's funny that you went there because I was going to go there with the you know opening and and because you know I you know I've done a lot of research on on vast subjects with mental health and addiction and especially hockey right so of course uh, about over a year ago i came across i got mind and your story and you know i i knew who you were from playing with the broncos obviously the bus crash and the book that you wrote and 
But I, I really kind of reflected. I think we talked back then, Bob, and I was like, I'd love to connect sometime, but I don't think I was ready. Like I was so, you know, and I'm still not entirely sure, but I'm feeling a lot better now. So thank you for being patient. Um, and I appreciate you. Oh, I'm happy to be here and happy that we finally connected and really excited to see how I can help you out today, Brady. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the whole thing, right? Is uh, That's what I mean. That's what I, in the intro, it's like I'm selfishly, you know, kind of really looking forward to this. But before we, you know, kind of dive into where you're at now, I would love to, you know, we got a little piece of it in the intro and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with your story. But, you know, as you know, it's, I'm kind of just using the, the platform of like, say, a meeting, you know, he's share your experience, strength, and hope, what it was like then, you know, where you are now, all of that good stuff in as much or as little detail as you care to tell us, because I'm all ears, buddy. Um, you know, it, 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 it was, I was innocent, right? Like, like everybody else, you're, you're innocent and you're excited for what, uh, the world can present to you. You see all these different possibilities. And, and so I was driven and, I really, you know, I was fully committed, like every day I was doing something to make myself better because I knew that this would give me an opportunity to do the things that I wanted to do to experience in life. So I pursued hockey with, you know, every bit of gusto that I that I could muster. And, um, you know, it caused a lot of problems as a young person because I didn't want to pay attention to anything else, especially school. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just kept going. And before I knew it, I found myself in a situation as a 16 year old that, that I had dreamed of. And so, you know, it happened, it happened really quick. And, and then, and then it all came undone real quick too, Brady, you know, you can go from that innocence to um, never the same um, in a very short period of time, as you know, and um, that's what happened to me, you know, life, life challenged me. And, and, you know, I struggled with that challenge. I didn't do very well with that challenge. Uh, I kept going. Uh, I'm not sure how some days, but I kept going. And um, there was just so many different experiences that I was not prepared for. And, um, you know, I had lots of good people around me. I came from a good home. I had very loving parents, very supportive. So that was not an issue. But they didn't come from great, great backgrounds. So they didn't know what to do or how to do this new thing either with all these different pressures. So, you know, there was a lot of... Um, unfortunately, very um, costly learning that was going on that caused a lot of issues for all of us. You know, our family became broken through the pursuit of my dream. Um, I think that traumatized and, and really messed all of us up for a long time. Uh, we, we fortunately were able to heal a, a lot of our, um, you know, trauma, a lot of our uh, negativity or a lot of our emotional baggage before my dad passed away about eight years ago. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just in a place now where I never thought I could be. You know, I always aspired to work towards something, Brady. You know, when you make that commitment to getting through um, all the different things that you, you find yourself having to go through. And one day you just, you really dedicate yourself to trying to find this, this Shangri-La. And I can tell you, it, it's been a 20-year journey, but I've really never felt more in control um, more able to be in the moment and enjoy all the different things to control my emotions, to know when I need to do something to take care of myself. And I'm just, I'm thankful that I didn't, uh, you know, make some of those bad choices that I was thinking about so long ago. Wow. There's a lot of hope there. Right. And I think, 
I've obviously been doing it a long time. You're very, the way you speak is very captivating and it just, you know, that's, that's why I'm excited to talk to you and, you know, to, to think, really think back and, and I'm like, man, 2008, like 2008, he started, I got mine. Like I'm still playing in Kelowna, you know, uh, at the time struggling, uh, but having an okay year. And I'm just trying to put myself in 2008 if we're talking mental health and everything else. Like it's, it's it's virtually non-existent. And if it is, it's smoke and mirrors. We might bring in somebody here once a year to talk to. And there you go. So that's pretty incredible, man. 2008, tell me a little bit about how you used your experience and what the, you know, I, I know the story, but share with the listeners about how, you know, I got mine came about. You know, it was uh, selfishly, completely Brady. Like you, like like a lot of us in life, we find ourselves in situations that we just don't want to be in. I'm tired of feeling this way. Can I swear here? Yeah, go nuts, man. Have at okay. it. You know, I, I was the, it was really when my daughter was born that, that I knew that I had to get my shit together. So I started looking, I started finding answers a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. You know, the problem is I never had, I never had any self-value. I never had any self-worth, right, Brady, you know that right? I'm a piece of shit because I've been told I'm a piece of shit for so long. So that's got to be the way it is. And when you start to realize that that's not necessarily the truth, you're really, you know, wading into unknown waters. And um, I didn't know what what everything was going to hold for me. So as I kept finding these pieces, I just I would feel a little bit better, a little bit better. And I, I went and got actually certified as a life coach. And it wasn't really, you know, to start this business. It was so that I could take and learn how to use my experiences and put them into context that other people could learn from and, and not have to go down the same roads that we find ourselves. So, you know, it was a fantastic training, changed my life in so many different ways. And I started working with kids and, you know, the way that I had to present it at that time, Brady was, I couldn't talk about anxiety or depression or, or even, you know, some of the other things that are out there today because they weren't out there then. Mm -hmm. um, I knew that everything that I was developing addressed all of those issues. So that's what I focused on was really talking about mental performance, enhanced performance. But everything that I was doing was giving them that that emotional and, and mental foundation so that they can continue. I, I wasn't able to relate it to, uh, to stress and anxiety, um, e even addiction, because at that time, people, when I started using those words, they would laugh me out of the room. There's no mm -hmm. fun way you're coming in here and talking about that. There's no way. Yeah. So I had to go about it a different way. And you know what? It's It's been an awesome journey. I've been in places I never thought I would be. Um, I remember one time I got asked to come and speak for a, a buddy of mine was a coach with Princeton Tigers, you know, just roaming the campus going, holy shit, like this is cool. Um, yeah. You know, a Western League guy, you never got to experience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You graduate high school for Christ's sakes. You, you know what I mean? And here I am um, at Princeton University. So, yeah, I've, I've learned a lot of things about myself, but most importantly, how difficult it's been to get people to be open. And even today, Brady, people, you know, they know a lot more, but they still don't know how to talk about it and they don't know where to turn and, and they don't really know. Like everybody's talking, but we need to be so much more educated than what we are right now. So if we're really going to be helpful, um, learning some things is extremely valuable. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, so like I, man, like I pretty much want to, you know, emulate a, a 
maybe a similar, just slightly different version of what you've done, utilizing my story to help people in, in different contexts. But I just, before anything else, say thank you for taking that way back when, when it was, you know, it's still a little risky because people are like, uh, they're better, but it's still kind of, you know, on the fence. We're talking 2008, man. That was like, that's cr- so thank you, right? Like you, you really took a risk. And, you know, I, I look at other, you know, strong mental health advocates who, Oops, I guess I'm on time for something. Um, mental health advocates that have been doing great work without naming any names because I don't want to take away from what they're doing. But when I look at the dates, it's 2012, 2013, 2014, where we start to really look at this. So thank you for, for doing that. And thank you for sharing that. And thank you for keep fighting, you know, when people are, because like you said, laughing in the other room, and you're not talking about that. But how important is it to have those conversations. And once, you know, you kept at it, you've been doing this for quite a while now. I want to get into the, um, the speaking summits that you've had with Kelly, Kelly, with Kelly Rudy and others that you do, which I think is phenomenal. I've, you know, I didn't know that you guys were doing that. And I kind of had this idea of something similar, but it doesn't matter. It's just about getting out there, connecting with just even one person, right? If we can get one through to one person, but man, you just, you, you blow my mind because I just look at you and I'm like, how, like, how, how did you turn it around and get and keep fighting? What was that process like for you? Because there's days when my mental illness kicks my ass so bad that I can't even do anything that I want to do. And I'm trying to help others and build this other thing where, you know, so maybe if I'm being affected, maybe it all doesn't get affected. Like how are, how was that managed for you? And what was that experience like for you? You know, it was a real battle, you know, Brady, to be honest, you know, here I am talking about, I think, it was, it was twofold, right? One, I knew that it was going to help the, the, the kids and the coaches out there. But two, you know, it was a little bit selfish because the more I'm talking about this, the more I have to become this, right? I, I, I cannot feel good standing up there talking about something that I can't do, mm-hmm. um, you know, and be preaching it to somebody. And I think that that's, you know, where, where a, a lot of help really gets kiboshed is somebody's had an experience and then found out that that person that was telling him to do all these things didn't do any of these things. So yeah. you know, integrity and accountability are two things that were really important in the process, because if I'm going to stand up there and say, OK, well, this is and this is what I've learned. But then I started talking about my struggle still with it, you know, and, and I think that that made it much more um, digestible and, and even engaging for the people, because, yeah, this totally makes sense. And when I do this, I, I have those results. But yes, it is a struggle to do that. And, and Brady, you know, you know this as well as I do. And, and a lot of people, I can see the chat going. Once you have some sort of affliction, once, once you've gone through something and you experience anxiety or stress or depression, you now have to learn how to live in a different way. It doesn't ever go away. And I think that that's where a lot of people continue to struggle is, okay, well, I don't feel that way anymore. Hopefully I never have to do that again, but then we don't do the things to manage ourselves and we find ourselves back in that hole. Yes. Yes. That's exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny because it's simple, right? You think about that. It's it's pretty simple, right? It's, it's like, it's pretty much like anything. You don't use it, you lose it type deal, right? Or it slowly goes away and you'll start to get those bad habits or whatever, it took me a long time. I'm still figuring, I, I hate to admit, it, I'm still figuring it out. I'm doing a lot of self-reflection in this last couple of weeks going, hmm, yeah, like I know all this stuff and I'm, and I should be doing this stuff, but why is it still so hard for me to do that? And that's a big one is, is knowing that maybe 
it is just about managing it. And what does that look like? Maybe some days are better than others. But I wanted to talk to you about self-sabotage because this is a huge one for me where things get like really good or so good. Things are get good and it's like there's a chance of maybe even things being great. And as soon as that happens, it's like, it's like gone, see you later. I'm going to burn this whole city down and that's it. Did you, is that common? Like, is that something that you went through and, and were, were there moments with what you started to build where you were like, man, it could have went back, but you kept pushing through because I've had these moments and, and just does it get easier? <laughs> I, I had to learn about it, Brady. Um, that was the one thing that, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and the first one was self-sabotage, right? Lost everything. The second one was good. The self-sabotage was a little bit less, really had to be mindful. Um, this third one, because I had learned so many new skills, I was really able to, to not get into that again, right? But it was only because, you know, I learned about habits. I went through a bunch of learning about what a habit is, you know, why mm -hmm. we do the things that we do like self-sabotage. You know, habits, people think about, um, the way they eat or they don't exercise or they bite their nails. But what we've really learned is a lot of the habits that we have are the way that we think about certain situations, right? So, um, you know, our ego is very strong uh, when we're in self-sabotage and it, it confuses us because in one breath, it tells us that we're good enough and this is a great idea. And then the minute you start down that path, the ego saying, what, who the hell are you kidding? You're never going to be able to pull this off. Mm -hmm. Right. So, once I learned about the ego and, and my habits and my conditioning, that's where I really knew how to focus my efforts. And I think that's where a lot of people can struggle, Brady, is that they're not quite certain where they should be focusing their efforts. Wow. I got, I just, I, there's a bunch of comments coming in, but I, I mean, there's just a couple about self-sabotage. My buddy David out in Edmonton or... He's outside of Edmonton, San Albert, I think. Self-sabotage is a habit that can be broken. Yes, David, you're right. As we hear from Bob and Michelle up in Morrisburg says, self-sabotage is my biggest problem. How do we fix that? And I think you touched on that. But if if you had one piece of advice, like reflecting from your from what you've learned, what's what's the number one thing that you kind of reflected back and say, this is where I either make the decision to sabotage and, and where I don't and, and how do you recognize these signs? Is there something that we can do or that's worked for you? I'll give you a real quick one. Uh, again, this is simple. It doesn't get any simpler than this, but it will be if you have this habit of self-sabotage, one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. You have to stand in front of the mirror and you have to look yourself in the eyes and, and truly look yourself in the eyes. Like you like you <laughs> had that experience with different individuals in your life. You think about Brady over the course of your life, how many people have you, you know, had that real deep eye connection with, you know, like when you just, you're looking and, and you just, you see them and they see you. I want you to have that same experience in the mirror. And then you have to tell yourself that you love yourself and you have to mm -hmm. practice that until you honestly believe it. Because for me, that was a six month process. Wow. And it's, you know, it's like anything, you know, I'm, I was on the ice. I've been up since like 4am. I was on the ice in North Bay today and we were talking on the way up. Me and my buddy, Dan, another Western league alum, Calgary Hitman, shout out Dan Spence, 360 goaltending. Uh, we were talking and just about, you know, if kids want to get better at hockey, you just got to put in the reps. You just got to keep doing it. It's just conditioning yourself, your body to do it. It's no different with this stuff, right? 
any athlete, any skill, whatever, whatever your job is, whether you're flipping burgers or, or, or running a big company, it's taken you a while to develop the skills to get there. As hockey players, Brady, all we did was practice. That's why we got good. Yeah. In order to be able to manage yourself and, and your wellness and really create a lifestyle that, that you want to have, it takes acquiring new skills and then it takes practicing those skills until they become automatic. Because until then, yeah, I know that, Brady. How many times have you said that? You fall back into the hole and it's like, God damn it, I knew, I know this stuff. Yeah. What you really don't know is, is how to practice it well enough so that it is a thing. Because everybody I've known that that has struggled with some form of, of mental health, um, the minute that they find themselves in that deep, dark hole and they reach out because they've learned that that's the first thing they need to do. The first question is, when did it start? Three weeks ago. Okay, well, what did you start doing three weeks ago? Well, nothing. Right. And, <laughs> and that's when that's when you know, the awareness grows like, okay, so when I start to feel this way, this is the first thing I should do. Yeah, that let's try that. And if that doesn't work, what's the second thing you're going to do? And if that doesn't work, what's the third thing you're going to do? Because the goal is to make sure that you come out to the ending that you want. And that's to feel good. I had a good day today, Brady. It was a good day. It was challenging as fuck. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it, it, it pushed every button I had, but I used every tool that I had and I feel really good today. And, and you string a bunch of those together. And, and when we work with individuals, we say, there's no such thing as perfect, right? One yeah. of our courses that we teach online is perfection is a ghost. You know, we're, we all strive to be perfect. Mm. Well, no wonder we fail because it's not possible. No wonder we self-sabotage because the ego kicks in and says, see, I told you it's never going to work. So it, it's really being mindful of those things. And again, very intentional, focused education and then practice, practice, practice. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, people I talk to and myself included, and maybe more so than others, it's it's about actually putting it into practice, right? And, and you know, I, I can think about just, for example, this small sample size or didn't feel like a small sample size help felt like hell this last month. But let's mm -hmm. say this last month, it's like I literally sat there, there was times where I sat there and I felt like I couldn't do anything. Like, I was in a, I was having a conversation with someone today. They used the same net. We we're talking same thing. And this guy's a PhD. I'm not going to use his name. He'll be a future guest on the podcast. We'll talk about it then, but this guy's got his PhD. Um, you know, a very successful guy. And he, he, he told me we we're talking about this feeling of depression and feeling. And he's like, man, he's like, I know that feeling. He's like, just a few months ago, he's like, I felt like I was stuck in a bottle of glue. And I was like, that's it. I was like, I was, I couldn't move. And, you know, I started to, like almost like you feel like okay well this is the way it's going to be forever not even going to bother fixing it just shut everything down quit everything you don't deserve it and pity party. What? yeah pity party big yeah. time yeah. big time and but i'll tell you it's like you know I, there's times in my life when i was younger i would have saw someone like me talking about this stuff it's like pff, get over it man like come on like yeah. shut up man like don't be a pussy man come on and it's like no like this is this really hurts, right? Like it hurts. Okay, Brady. So when did it start to hurt again? Right? Because you you've been up and down. You've been on the roller coaster. When yeah. when did it start to feel icky again? Yeah, probably mid July. And I'm trying to reflect back. Is I mean, there's a lot of outside pressures in my life. I think I'm, we're not. Maybe we can get into that on another time. I'm not going to get into it about on on here. I think the people closest to me know what that is, and sure that had something to do with it. But it's 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 got to be a way to manage that without having it affect 
you know, everything else, you know, and that's maybe my biggest issue where something happens and it's like, oh, my whole day's gone for a shit. So, you know, and, and just trying to find these coping mechanisms um, to just kind of keep going, you know, but people keep telling me, you know, some days it's just okay to survive. And trust me, I, I know what surviving is like being homeless and everything else and just trying to do this, but it's like, okay, well, you get to 18 months off all this crap and everything else. And it's like, well, what the hell gives? What the hell gives? I don't want to feel like this. I'm supposed to be feeling better. But on the plus side, Bob, I was very proud of myself. The fact that I actually legitimately, and I can say this openly, there was times when, you know, I wasn't making a plan. It's not like I was angry and I was going to go, but I was legitimately thinking to myself, like, hey, is life even worth living? You know, I got an 11-month-old baby. I got other kids in BC. I got all this stuff. I got so much promise going on. But I was legitimately thinking that to myself. Like, if I have to feel like this forever, is it all worth it? And wanting to just escape it. And so what I'm proud about myself is that I didn't go back to the drugs. And so early on in, in your kind of journey, I know that I've read up and, and listened to on podcasts about, you know, trying to self-medicate with alcohol and different things and that. Um, what was that kind of process like for you? And, and, and how long did it take? And if you don't, and again, you don't have to go into total detail or whatever, it's whatever, but um, where, where are you at with that? Like how much did that affect your life? Um, and and like, what's the difference between like living that way and living today type deal? You know, it, it, for me, it, it started, I was 15 years old and I was playing midget AAA and I was, it was the first introduction to booze, right? I never, I was, I was that kid that clean, no smoking, no drinking, right? Like that's what athletes do. And then I made the AAA team as a 15 year old and all that went out the window. Everybody was smoking and everybody was drinking. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of fun for me. So it, there was an appeal there. Um, my first year junior as a 16 year old was one of the most nightmarish experiences that I ever had. Um, the bullying, the, the, you know, the, 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 the hazing that went on all year, like to the last game of the year, we won 14 fucking games the whole year. Like we were terrible and the veterans were threatening to shave us on the last bus ride home. There was so many fights. So, you know, that whole year really, and then you get to use alcohol. So, you know what I mean? Like it started to work to kind of numb the pain, the disappointment, the frustration. And then I got traded my, my second year uh, to Swift Current, like you were talking about, and the bus accident happened. So first of all, the trade really struggled with that. I was a homebody. I was a, I was a mama's boy. I was spoiled. Right, you, you, were with the, you were with the Wranglers, right? Yeah, yeah. Prior. So I saw that. And I'm trying to think that because they weren't in the league when I was in the league. Right. So I didn't realize they were the WCHL, right? Or back was the west coast hockey nope, league nope, okay sorry I, I just realized i made a mistake in my intro so oh, sorry okay. keep going sorry so the trade really screwed me up um really started drinking then you know i was depressed i didn't like being away from home i didn't like my coach yep. i didn't like living in swift current you know you come from calgary in a city boy where i mean i was king <laughs> shit right like uh, I, I was a homegrown kid i was one of the only homegrown kids they were talking about me getting drafted. Uh, and then I go to Swift Current where there's absolutely nothing. And it was culture shock and it was sadness. And, um, you know, at that time, we didn't have cell phone bills. My phone bill every month was $400, right? Yeah. Calling everybody back home. And, um, and then the bus accident happened. And that, that was it. You know, the nightmares. I couldn't get rid of the nightmares. I watched one of my teammates take his last dying breath right in front of me. And the alcohol really kicked in. Like I just, I didn't want to be there anymore. 
um, I was really struggling. So I just started drinking and, you know, it was beer and then it was, and then it was the hard stuff and then the hard stuff stopped working. So then you start mixing in the drugs, you know, what can we do? Um, and, and then that, it was just that perpetual, I got drafted later that year. Um, but it just got worse and worse. Like I built that moment up in my life to be the pinnacle. Like this is going to be the greatest experience I'm ever going to have. And I can remember not even wanting to go. You know, I didn't want to get on the plane and go to the draft. I didn't give a fuck anymore. I was done. And everybody just kept forcing and saying, you know, you're going to make a big mistake and you got to keep going and it'll get better. And so, yeah, I just, I learned how to cope by numbing myself and, and not talking to people and shutting down. And so that became my, my habit, my way of life. Um, I learned how to play guilty. I played the most, most of my career, you know, playing guilty where you're, you're hung over and you knew that you were doing things that you shouldn't have played before because you have a game. So you play guilty and, and I was able to have a very good career for 10 years playing that way. Um, but it ruined every relationship. It, it ruined every opportunity. Um, that was the label that I got stuck with. And all I used to hear Brady was what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. You know, nobody ever says I know those ones. Uh, yeah. I, I, I feel you on that one, man. Um, yeah. You know, it's, I can't imagine um, having to having to go through that, and you know, I you know, I'll tell you, you know, here's I got a picture of you. Way there's you and Swift. That's you, eh? Back in the day, before um, it all unraveled. Yeah. <laughs> that year, yeah. And uh, you know, you know, uh, just before the we get into the bus crash a little bit, you know, I I, I know the feeling of what it's you know, coming from Vancouver. I t- I moved to Swift Current and just, <laughs> just major culture shock, and it was probably even smaller back when you were playing. And, you know, we had MSN Messenger and everything else. So it was a little easier. But I, I left, man. I, I packed my truck up and I went home. I was like, no, I can't. I, can't, I cannot do this. I quit two different occasions, got traded, didn't report, went back. Oh, my. I was a gong show. And the same thing. Everybody going, fuck is wrong with this guy? What is wrong with you? Like, you know, and the whole time I just I felt like I couldn't tell anybody what was wrong with me. And, you know, I think we're talking about a little bit of a different time when when you went when you went through it in the eighties, but I know that, you know, you've mentioned back then, none of you guys received any counseling or uh, anybody to talk to. Is that, is that correct? Like that was, it was like, just get back on the ice and keep playing. And you can't imagine. Bobby. You know what I mean? Like guys quit guys said, that's it. I've had enough. And, and we respected that. We, we had a team vote, you know, like it was our decision. It's like, we, these guys would want us to keep playing. These guys would keep playing. So we should keep playing too. The problem is, you know, we had Graham James, our head coach. So, you know, Graham was an evil fucker uh, that was doing things to our teammates. So, yeah, there was no counseling because if counseling came in, something might be found out. So it was never offered by the team. And it was, you know, talked about a lot, but um, it just never happened. So, you know, you you, you go your whole playing career, it, your career is over. Now the real struggle, who the hell am I now? Because I was always a yeah. hockey player. Yeah. So continuing to struggle with the, you know, needing to get numb um, just because that was the way that you learn to function. And then again, it goes back to getting certified as that life coach. I went through this training, we had a full day and I had to give a presentation on attitude and it was a way that they taught me. And so I get, I stand up and I give this presentation and the instructor comes up to me, says, that is the best thing that I have ever seen. 
And I went up to my room and I cried because I finally understood what everybody was telling me all those years. And I thought about all those missed opportunities. I thought about all those relationships that I messed up. I, th I thought about all the times that I screwed myself because I didn't know these things. And I think that was a huge breakthrough for me where I knew that I didn't have to use anymore. Right. I didn't, I didn't go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I was not, you know, mm -hmm. of that. I just had that awareness kind of presented to me. And all of a sudden I realized I didn't need, I didn't need to do that anymore. Something had happened and here's how I'm going to deal with that. So it was, it, it was like a day being reborn, to be honest. How long ago was that, Bob? That was uh, 2008. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your mom and, and the story of, you know, her, if you don't mind only cause I know it's public and, and the work that, you know, you guys are doing and trying to bring awareness to, to mental health and, and supporting others. And we, I, I really want to learn a little bit more about, I got mind after um, you tell us about this and, and get into what you guys' plans are now that hopefully things are opening up fingers crossed. Um, yeah. So, you know, mom didn't come from a great uh, upbringing. She was uh, one of eight. Uh, wow. Grandpa was a, uh, he was an alcoholic. Um, you know, it was, it was, it was very much a dysfunctional home, lots of anger. Uh, dad grew up in Nova Scotia, didn't go to school after grade six, wandering the streets with no shoes. Again, dad came back from the war, alcoholic, traumatized, abuse. Um, and then these two meet up and have me. <laughs> so, you know, not an easy job by any means. Mom didn't have the skills so she couldn't pass them on to me. She finds herself in a place right about the time that I was going through it, that she didn't want to live anymore. She was abused as a young girl. And, you know, that just, it, it never came out. It got to be too painful. Same story, Brady, as you, as me, you know, you start using, you start doing the self-sabotage, all those things. Um, so yeah, she, she's ready to check out dad and her split at the time. Um, she calls dad says, you know what? Thank you for everything. I love you uh i'm i'm checking out so they race over to where she's at they take her down to the distress center here in calgary uh, she meets with a counselor and everything changes she starts to get on the path to healing i didn't know any of this happened because i was in my own shit storm mm -hmm. you know half a continent away i'm going to give a speech a couple of years ago for the distress center and she says hey you know what i, I never told you um the distress center saved my life and I'm like, what do you mean? So she sat down and had the story. And um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been interesting, you know, how much we keep from each other, how much we don't share with each other because of the, the shame that we feel, because of the guilt yes. that we feel. And, you know, yes. that's the unfortunate part is it, it keeps us from progressing. It's not real, the shame and guilt that we keep continue to carry around. Brady, if you're dealing with any of that, you got to let it go because guilt and shame, that those are just things that we create on our own. And, and we carry them around with us and it's totally unnecessary. Well, thank you for saying that. And thank you for sharing that story. I know I kind of put it on you, but thank you for sharing that story. And I think it's really important because I've mentioned this before uh, on different podcasts and stuff, just about being, a being able to talk about whatever it's going on, um, mental illness, if it's an addiction um, within our family, you know, and friends and, and letting others that we trust and care about and they care about us, what's really going on. You know, um, usually these things are kept kind of, you know, in the weeds. It's kind of like, well, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to let anybody know that our family's got any problems. But as soon as you start having that conversation, it's like, 
holy shit, show me one family that doesn't have a problem. Please, please. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. So why are we all hiding um, these? If you know, because I don't know about you, man, but when I started to share my story and let let it out there, and you know, there's been times where you know I've done such a great job at like I just talked about reaching out and everything else. But for the most part, it's been the support, the overwhelming amount of support, and the people that just want to tell me too that they are struggling because they feel finally that they can tell something. I'm sure you've gone through, you've been going through this for I can't. Even, what 12 13 14 years now so i can't imagine the amount of people but there's something magical about really just being truthful about it all isn't there you know it, it um, you know again growing up brady and you know this the hockey culture is such a mess it's so bad yeah, yeah. it teaches so many bad things you know and, and and i love the game of hockey don't get me wrong i'm not here to bash hockey i'm talking about the culture of hockey Yep. The way that people operate, you know, not being taught to be accountable. And Brady, I'm sure you were the same way, man. Right? <laughs> I didn't want to go to school because we had come home from a week, and to. I knew I had an do on Monday, and I'd say, and the teacher would say, "You can pass it in on Friday." So I got to live in a different world where accountability yep. was not a deal. Yep, I never that thought about that. Up. I know, you know, Bob, like there's, I can still picture myself in Swift Current at the comp comprehensive high school in history class. I forget the teacher's name. The guy, you know how Swift is in a lot of these smaller towns. They either love you or they hate you. And this guy, this teacher particularly hated the Swift Current Broncos. So he couldn't give two shits if I, he just wanted me to just not even be there. So he wouldn't even, I would sit there like this with my head on my desk and sleep from the moment the class started till the moment and drool all over my binder like this and then off to practice. And, you know, and I probably got, you know, they passed me the class. I don't think I handed one thing in, but it's like, here you go because you got to play hockey and this and that. And it's like, huh, I'm untouchable. Right. And then all of a sudden real life kicks in and it's like, holy shit, what's happening around here? This isn't what I'm used to. Right. And, and that's one of the hardest parts, Brady, when people are going down that road and, and you say, you know, I knew these skills. I knew what to do to get myself out of this hole. It's mm -hmm. not holding ourselves accountable to do that over and over and over to develop those habits because we struggle with accountability, right? I find that in a lot of the people that we help with, one of the major issues that they have is they cannot hold themselves accountable. I say that I'm going to do this, but then I don't do it. Mm -hmm. And so the problem begins. Right. Because it's your problem, Brady. It's not my problem. I don't have that problem. You have that problem. Yeah. And you were the one that's going to solve that problem. And you were the one that's going to stay on the path to continue to make sure that this doesn't continue to be a problem. And the minute you don't hold yourself accountable, boop, 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 and we wonder how the hell we got back. there. That's what I have to say about that one. That's uh that's a wrap folks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but honestly, it's, it's so true. Right. And, you know, I just think back and, you know, I just mentioned, you know, I was just like talking about me as a hockey player. It's like, you know, I look back at like, if I would have met 17 year old Brady, I'd kick my own ass, you know, like that kid. But at the same time, it is a lot to do with the culture and the, in the, just the way that hockey is. And it, I'm so glad that you brought that point up. Because there is a major problem there. And it's been a hot topic on this conversation. Even current NHL guys. You know, Curtis Gabriel just signed with the Leafs. He's on here. We're talking about the toxic masculinity of hockey, the dressing room, the language, the way, the hazing, the, the whole nines, everything. So I'm with you. I'm not here to bash hockey, but there's a huge need for change. And I just wonder, like, 
where where do we start with that in in your opinion? I mean, there's so many areas that need help, but is it the parents, the coaches? Do we invest more in the players' uh, mental performance and health? Is it a combination? What do we do? Um, and what are you guys doing to help that? Because I know that you guys do a lot with that. You know, it, it, it's a big problem. Um, yes, parents, absolutely. Parents are major contributors to the different things that kids feel, um, what they experience, why they quit, why they start using why they stop communicating, you know, and, and these are loving parents, but they don't realize the things they're doing and the kid is not going to talk to them. So parents are a huge issue. Uh, we've developed program all around that. So when I started Brody, it was just for the kids, right? I just want to talk to the kids. And so we'd go in there and talk and they go, Bob, this is great. But the mm -hmm. minute you leave, my coach doesn't talk like this. And my parents don't talk like this. So I can't talk like this. None of the stuff you're teaching me, I can use. So we started developing programs for the coaches and, and the parents to help them help the players. And, you know, it's, it's been quite the evolution of what we've been able to do. Um, but it's just so important because, yeah, you know, I was taught to, to really not be accountable for a lot. I was told to tell people what they wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. I was told that I was better than everybody else. And they showed me that and reinforced it. You know, so I had all these issues that I didn't, like you say, I didn't see that in the real world. And then all of a sudden the real world says, I don't give a shit who you are. This is the way you need to be. <laughs> I, I didn't even know how to do that. I had to acquire the skills to be able to do that because that was foreign to me. Wow. There's, you know, I think, so my question for you, and this is like, you know, this is again, a self, maybe a selfish question, but maybe there's some people out there that can get some value from it too, is like, at what point in time, do you start to really, you know, after, you know, say, let's say you're either in a major mental health crisis. Um, and there's probably not a magic number here, but imagine, you know, mental health crisis or an addiction or whatever. Um, at what point in time do you really start to, once you're through, I mean, like after you either, if you have to go to rehab or whatever, I'm not talking that, but at what point in time do you really start to educate yourself um, and start to learn these habits and where do, where can we turn to do that? Like where, where are these resources that have helped you? And if, if so, is, are they available? Like, is this something that people can get through? I got mine. And if anybody listening, watching, if they want to, you know, learn more about it, is the website the best place to go to? Yep. Best, best place to go is the website. There's so many different resources there. Um, so what's happened, Brady, is uh, I've learned how to best help people learn. Mm -hmm. right? That's the thing is you can write a book and you can create all this stuff, but if it's not entertaining, if it's not engaging, if it's not relevant to me, I don't give a shit. And that's where I really struggled with so much of the stuff that, you know, somebody would say, here, read this book. I read this book. It's like, this doesn't fucking help me. <laughs> right? If anything, it makes me more confused. Give me something that, that actually is helpful. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I developed the content and, and, you know, the structure and, and, and studied, you know, the learning system. So you can go, Brady, to the, the website. You can get on a course right now that will teach you. It's called Understanding Stress. And you're going to go and you're going to spend an hour and 20 minutes watching some videos, doing some reflection pieces. And at the end of that, you and I are going to get together and I'm going to talk with you about what you learned and how you're going to use it and where the difficulties are going to be and what you're committing to. And, and what's the next steps for you, Brody? How can I help hold you accountable? And you're going to see it. a huge impact because this is what we've learned. The best learning models in, in the world do is they involve the person who needs to learn. I can sit here and tell you all day long, but until I involve you, nothing's going to happen. The minute you involve, 
you're done. You're so good. You're like that. You're very, uh, you're why, like, obviously you've been doing this a long time, but it's just, you know, I've had a lot of conversation. This is, I think like my 130th something podcast. Right. And primarily what we talk about here is mental health, addiction, hockey, different things. And, you know, I've had unbelievable guests and we've had, uh, great conversations, but there's something in the way that you're able to articulate things, um, and just sort of put them out there for me anyways, that have been, it's been so helpful. Um, I, I, it's gone. This conversation is, I've been more in tune to this conversation. I was excited about it, but I was like, I was like, okay, you know, like I'm really willing to learn, but I'm actually, there's something just the way that you were able to get it through. And maybe that's what you were talking about, you know, helping people learn. Um, how were you able to do that? Like, because at first you said it was selfish, right? Essentially you're doing this for you. At what moment did you realize that, Hey, I can, I can utilize my story and I can actually learn and put into practice the things that I'm learning and continue to get better to not only help myself, but help others. When was that moment for you? You know, the biggest learning for me, uh, Brady, to be honest, has been learning about people. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and one of the things that I realized in my healing was that I only had one perspective and that perspective was not good. (laughs) And so I needed to learn how to see others' perspectives and, and openly and, and take a look at them. So, you know, you and I talk for a little bit, I really get an understanding of what your perspective on life is, what your perspective of your own wellness is that allows me to be able to take what I've learned and say, okay, so if I give Brady this idea if I give him this exercise, if I ask him this question, then all of a sudden he's going to have the ability to change the perspective that he has. And the minute that you get somebody to that point and create more curiosity, now they've really got a, a growth mindset. You know, one of the things we like to talk about, and Carol Dweck has a great book on mindset, which is really good and easy for people to read. Um, it's just called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she talks about growth versus fixed mindset. And Brody, when we're broken and, and struggling with our wellness, we're very much in a fixed mindset, which means we're not open to new ideas. We're not open to trying new things. Like you said at the beginning of the show, you're stuck in a bottle of glue. But a growth mindset, you know, allows you to see the world in a different way. Asks you, uh, it helps you ask questions to the, salute, to the problems that you've got going on in your head. You're not shutting down. You're going, okay, I don't like the way that I'm feeling. This is what I'm struggling with. Tell me or help me how I fix them. That's a great book. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, yeah. Something that I, I need to do a lot more in is, is reading. And, you know, I, again, and I didn't read for so long, you know, I couldn't be bothered to read a book during school and this and that. But, you know, what the thing that I've really gotten from this, podcast or talking to you i think is really putting a value on actually educating you know ourselves and and actually wanting to make a difference the only way it's going to happen is through education and, and practicing what we learn sitting around expecting things to change with nothing changes unless nothing it, it changes right i think that's a saying i think i'm butchering it here but you know what i'm trying to say um it's very it just it's really giving me a kick in the ass to to really just seek more, seek more information, um, seek more of my truth so that I can, you know, live my best life. And, and ultimately at the end of the day, you know, I really just want to just help people through my story. And, you know, if 
one person, whether it be a hockey player or not, doesn't matter, doesn't have to go through homelessness or sexual abuse or, or the year, or maybe they were abused and they don't have to carry it with them for so long or whatever the case is. Um, you know, if just one person, I mean, that's, it's the goal, right? Like that's, that's really Here's what it comes down to. You are that person, right? As much as we want to be able to help all the people out there that mm -hmm. we know are struggling, we know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Listen, if you're no good, there's not a fucking open hell that you're going to do any good either. It's, <laughs> yeah. when, it's when you are, when you truly are, and you know what you need to do today, Braden, for you. And you know what? I'm into my day. I'm three quarters of the way through my day, and I feel it come unraveled. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the responsible thing and I'm going to clear the rest of my schedule and I'm going to go implement some of the self-care practices that I've developed so that I can get through the rest of the day with the other couple people that I am trying to help in, in the best way that I can. We, we get so busy and so wrapped up that I just want to be this for everybody, for everybody. Listen, mm -hmm. you're the most important person in your life. And I know that sounds selfish, but if you're no good, you're no good to anybody. And, and we think, well, I got to sacrifice for them and I got to sacrifice. No, that, that's the greatest disservice you can do to anybody that you're trying to help is to not manage yourself to be the best version of yourself. That, that's the greatest disservice. And the biggest struggle that I see within the mental health space is everybody's trying to help everybody, but everybody's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I, I was having a conversation. I've had this conversation lots, but or I just had it earlier tonight too. It's like when I was a kid, it's like, you think there's these real adults that have it all figured out. And all of a sudden you get to be an adult and you're like, what the hell's going on around here? Where's all the real adults? We're all fucking pretenders. Everyone's walking around going, you, you got to figure it out. Okay. No, me either. Good. You know, looking around going, what are you doing? I'll try that. You know, like it's, it's, it is, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world. Right. And, you know, I just think that now more than ever, um, more needs to be done. And I know that, you know, prior to COVID, um, you guys uh, were there at I Got Mind. We're kind of expanding out even and getting out there and um, doing some speaking summits. Tell us a little bit about that. And and you know, obviously, I know it was impacted by COVID, but I assume you'll be out in, in full swing. You know, it was um, it was 2018. It, it was just after the Humboldt crash. Um, I, I, I went with Sheldon. I, I know you've had Shelly on the show. Uh, another yeah. teammate of mine, Peter Soberlack, and, and my good buddy and my defense partner from back in the day, Darren Kruger, who lost his brother. Yes, during the his brother. Yeah. So we we rushed out there and I was fucking terrified, right? Like that, as soon as I knew that bus accident and I was hearing these kids killed, I was, I was so afraid to go to sleep that night because I did not want these nightmares that I had gotten rid of to come back. And I woke up the next day, I didn't have the nightmares, and there was this huge strength that just came out of me. It's like, okay, you're good, let's go. And I went and, and I met one of the dads that I actually grew up with. His name was Chris Joseph, and, and Chris had lost his son, Jackson. And, you know, Chris and I grew up playing each other, uh, playing against each other, and um, we always had a good relationship. And I told him what I did, and he's like, you know what? And he tells me about the last conversation that he has with his son and how it's about stress and anxiety that his son was having. He's like, you gotta, you gotta get this out to as many people as you can. I came back from that trip and I said, okay, what can I really do to have a very large impact? So what we started doing was the tours, that picture that you showed with Kelly, myself, and, and then Sean O'Grady's our mental health clinician there on the left. Um, we said, you know what, we're, we're going to go start traveling around Western Canada. And so we did, we, we'd hop in our cars, we would, uh, advertise, we would sell tickets 
and people would come and listen to, you know, this great journey of mine of how I became messed up. And Sean O'Grady, the mental health clinician, explaining everything that's going on in my brain every step of the way. And mm -hmm. we knew that we were onto something because our first audience and it just grew and it started to spread. And then, you know, unfortunately, COVID hit. Um, so what we did during COVID, because I learned, Brady, that uh, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. You know, there's so much opportunity in it. Um, I developed a training program. We have 17 facilitators now with our team. Uh, we redid the website. We have online learning classes for anybody that wants to learn about all the different issues and how to become more well. Um, it's just been a fantastic journey. And um, yeah, we hope to get back on the road. You know, I'm a little nervous for the world, honestly, uh, Brady, just because there's not a lot of people doing this work, but we're seeing a lot of people in that space. And, you know, I think things are going to get worse before they get better. Mm -hmm. It's so important now to get your shit together, to figure your stuff out and to really commit to you. Because think about great. If we all just took care of ourselves and just focused on managing what we needed to do for the day, how much better would this world be? Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty profound statement. I've never really looked at it that way, right? And uh, it's kind of like keep it simple, stupid. I mean, it's not always easy, but it makes it a lot easier staying in our own lane, you know, at least for me, it is when I'm, when I'm in my own lane, taking care of me and the things I need to take take care of. It just seems like most of the time things kind of just take care of themselves. Right. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. That's <laughs> uh, pretty awesome. I want to get to a couple of comments here. Cause I know there's uh, you know, I have a pretty loyal listener base, um, which who I certainly appreciate it. I want to give a shout out to, uh, Coach Cam Reed down there in Barry. I know the family's watching. Shout out to you guys. Thanks for the support. Um, Tanner Mortensen watching says, Bob has been a huge influence for me transitioning outside the game. His program through I Got Mine definitely has changed my outlook on things. And he is someone who is very welcoming to talk to and makes you feel comfortable opening up. Excited to see this episode. That was earlier. And uh, yeah, I can totally see why you're saying that, Tanner. I hear you on that one. Tanner, since he was 14 years old, man, it's been a great journey with Tanner. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, Stuart Smith, watching in Abbotsford, says, Wow, Bob, as I listen to your story, I'm sitting here nodding my head, helping others to help ourselves. We have so so many similar experiences. Thank you for sharing your story. Keep up the great work. Fire Chief out in Abbotsford. He's a uh, former Weyburn Red Wing back in the day, I believe, in the SJ. Yes, so a uh, good friend of mine. Um, a couple more comments. David Carlson again saying, This is a great discussion. Thanks, Brady and Bob. Uh, Michelle saying, wow, I so needed this episode. So did I, Michelle. I hear you on that one. Matthew Means are all the way in Argentina. He's watching. He says, absolutamente. I think that might be uh, his, he's speaking, I don't know if that's Spanish. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but that's a little joke from him. He's a great guy. He's make, he makes wood hockey sticks down in the southernmost part of uh, South America for the locals down there growing the game of hockey. It's a very, very cool what he's doing down there. Um Let's see here. Michelle Miner. Uh, Dan Miner was talking at the beginning of the episode about the celebration of life. She's watching. She says, what a great podcast. Thanks for sh sharing your story, Bob. Great to hear you again, Brady. Hello to Michelle and Tom, all the miners down there in Dunville. Love you guys. Um, got a few more. Uh, Faye Bocek from Swift Current. This podcast is dynamite. Thank you so much. My Yes, my former or uh, my best friend when I played there, that was his billet mom. 
Uh, Faye Bochek, hello to Faye. Yeah, spent a lot of times in her basement. I'll tell you that much. Um, Stuart Smith says, totally agree, Faye. Just when you think Brady brings on an amazing guest, he goes and tops it off with another great person and a great message. I, I feel you on that one. I, I don't know how we're going to outdo this one, though. Um, this is great stuff. I always learn something from the show. Uh, thank you, Matt. Um, and last one uh, for tonight right now, Brody Kerbison in Barrie, Ontario. Look forward to catching up when I can watch it. I guess he's just joining us. What's up to Brody and his wife, Tara, in Barry, um, listen, Bob. I think we're we're probably going to have to do this again. Um, you're lucky that I don't have your phone number now, because otherwise I'd be calling you all the time. And you have to start billing me like a lawyer. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing with you, man. I'm just playing with you. But listen, I there's so much more that I want to get into. We're we're just over an hour now. I'm trying to keep them down to an hour. It seems to be the magic number. But would you would you do this again? Like yeah. once I you know. I really feel like there's a huge, um, just a huge need. And, you know, I have a, a passion for this. Obviously, I have a lot of, gr- I, I need to grow a lot. I'm new at this. I have a huge passion for it. Um, and I really look up to you and I just encourage you and, and thank you for, to keep doing it. Thank you for doing it because I think 2008, I was still playing junior hockey. Mental health concerns were like not even close. And there you are carving out the path for so many guys and girls and people, not just hockey players, because you guys are, Way beyond just hockey now, right? Yeah. Way beyond, yeah. Way beyond. So thank you um, just for sharing your story uh, with me tonight. And for these past, seems like, what, 20 years you've been doing this? All in all? Taking care of myself, Brody, for 20 years, yeah. Yeah, you know, so thank you. You know, you've uh, undoubtedly helped thousands of people, I'm sure, and continue to do so and just... Once again, thanks, man. I I just want to learn from you. I'm probably gonna go back and watch this and start. I've already I was already taking a ton of notes, like I was in a in a class. So, um, anything else we missed? We can find you on Instagram, right? Instagram and on the website. I got mine. Yeah, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I got mine.ca is just the easiest way. There, there's lots of resources out there, and um, you can schedule a, a time to to book with me and Brady. I'd love to talk to you about. Uh, getting to be a sponsor of your program here. I think it's fantastic what you're doing and I look forward to helping you on your journey as well. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, as of right now, the plan is to leave May 28th from Newfoundland with Terry Ryan. I'm not sure if you ever crossed paths with TR, Terry Ryan, former Montreal draft pick, but he's, he's going to kick it off with me. We're going to, I'm going to rollerblade across Canada. Sheldon Kennedy was the first person that I called back in February or March. And I said, Sheldon, what do you think about this? And he's like, I support you 100%, but you better hope that you're ready to take on something like that. So we're putting it all together, training and different things, and hopefully we can bring it all together. We will. It's going to happen. So, you know, when I come through Calgary, I'd love to love to meet you in person, man. We've got a great blog going on right now, a bunch of guys. So Ben Thompson is a alpine downhill skier. He's trying to get to his third Olympics. He's going through one of our programs great ideas for anybody out there looking for some inspiration and and a great story. So check it out. I will definitely do that. And for anybody watching this uh, after um, or listening to it uh, via audio, all the links uh, to the, I got mine website will be in there. So check it out below. Um, Also to the Instagram, Uh, make sure you guys check it out and we'll have Bob again. I'm sure you're going to, people will be like, bring Bob back, bring Bob. I know it. So thanks again. And thank you to uh, Sadie for helping coordinate this. I, I truly appreciate that. She was great. It was seamless. I appreciate your time. 
Keep up all the great work, my friend. Thanks, Brady. Great to meet you and keep up the great work. Thank you, Bob. All the best. We'll talk soon, man. Bye. That's Bob Wilkie. Thank you, Bob. That's one I need to go back and watch. Class was in session. That's what it's all about. You know, this last like month, three and a half weeks, however long it's been since I've done one of these shows, I've had absolutely like, I'm just being honest. You guys know me. I say it how it is. I felt like I couldn't do one of these shows. I felt like, oh, I'm not good at it. I'm that self-doubt, right? That was my, it's not doing anything. It's not helping anybody. But I know that's not true because I've continually have people tell me that this show helps them. And that's not because of necessarily anything I'm doing. It's because of the great people like Bob and the guests and people come on here and share their, their stories and what they've done. And that's what really makes the difference. So thank you. But I want to say to Bob, thank you because this was one that I needed and I feel more inspired to just keep, you know, exploring myself, my journey and what that looks like trying to be the best version of myself and just, really inclined to keep going after it. You know, like there was times when I played hockey, it was like, I kind of only wanted to practice the things I was good at. And I didn't really want to put in all the extra work. Well, guess what? I didn't get rewarded, right? I didn't get, I didn't get rewarded in hockey. Didn't play in the NHL. I didn't guess what? I didn't put in the work. That's not going to be the case here with my recovery, with my mental health. I actually am going to start to put in the work and it's my hope that one day, I can actually be more of an educator and helping more people the way that Bob is now. Thank you, Bob. Uh, I'm going to throw it over to one quick sponsor. Come back here and wrap it up. I want to show a couple pictures before we go. Um, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Pocket to Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find PrideTape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to my friends at PrideTape. Shout out to Dean Petruck. His son was actually at Red Deer Rebels Camp. Uh, last week, I was able to talk to him before the camp. He went in there undrafted, got listed. Congratulations to Andrew. He's currently in Victoria right now trying out for the uh, BCHL team there. Good luck to him, Dean from Pride Tape uh, and everybody at Pride Tape. Thank you uh, for supporting the show and all the work that you guys do. Uh, before I wrap it up, though, I want to show you guys a really cool picture. A uh, couple of our puck support warriors, uh, Ben Brunton and Hannah Brunton. They did a bottle drive. They raised $422 for puck support up in North Bay and Calendar, which was, you know, just totally unexpected. They're like, yeah, we're doing a bottle drive. And then the mom's like, hey, yeah, we raised $422. So I'll give I got to turn my music off. Give them a big horn. Thank you. Thank you to Ben and, and Hannah. I know them. I've skated with them. They're great kids, great family. Thank you to the Bruntons. Thank you to all the people who contributed bottles and cans. 
And keep in mind that here in Ontario, you can't recycle pop cans like in BC. We could take pop cans back, but here it's only alcohol. So pretty good. Very good. I'm uh, super proud of you guys. Thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. Last picture I want to show you guys. I showed you guys the picture of Daniel Miner's family at the Celebration of Life. Um, all in puck support gear. I wanted to show you guys another picture that I got of Doug Donaldson, father of the late Ryan Donaldson, former Kelowna Rocket. Doug and Dana have been on the show. There's a picture of Doug with his grandkids at the park in the mental health over hockey hoodie from Puck Support. And of course, that's in memory of his son, Ryan Donaldson. So I would do anything to bring all of them back. But knowing that, you know, there's just a small amount of comfort brought. At least brings a little smile to my face, knowing that we're making just even the smallest of differences to the miners. I love you guys so much. Thank you to Bob Wilkie. Thank you for all of you guys being patient with me. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, like it, subscribe, share it with your friends. I have no advertising budget. Share it with your friends if you liked it. Tell people about the show if you liked it. That's the only way this thing's going to grow. Anyways, that's it. I'm hoping we're going to be back uh, Wednesday night. We may go down to one show a week right now because I got some other stuff that I need to take care of. But we will be here at least once a week. And let me know what you guys think uh, in the comments right now about bringing on people who maybe aren't necessarily always hockey players, but people who have a strong strong story of recovery or uh, battling their own mental health challenges, um, just inspiring people, regardless of hockey player or not. I really want to open up this podcast to, to more people, less just about hockey. So let me know what you think. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should. Drop a comment below. Let me know. Thank you, guys. I'm not going to stop fighting. You don't stop fighting. Be kind. Stay grateful. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at MindFrame on Twitter plus MindFrameFit on Instagram. And before I go, make sure you guys go check out pucksupport.com. Use promo code hockey to save 15% off. Take care, guys. I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. Able. I'm stable, oh yes, no label, oh yes, you know me, I have only a path, I'm lonely, but damn, I'm going.
Oh yeah, no label. Oh yeah, you know me. I have only a path. I'm lonely, but damn, 